The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. So it's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, I just can't wait till we get back together and I'm able to see you guys in this building, in this uh, room together once again. And uh, we're excited for the day that that will happen. But for now, uh, we get to hang out in your living rooms and wherever you are watching uh, so that we can still enjoy uh, some kind of community together. Today we begin a series on prayer, and as we continue to navigate the waters of shelter in place, uh, I hope that you're finding ways to continue to love your neighbors well. Healthcare workers aside, many of us have been pushed into this uh, mode of kind of slowing down a little bit and, and maybe even stopping at times. And I strongly believe that God wants to teach us amazing things about himself and our priorities through this time. So here we are by God's divine providence, beginning a six-week series on prayer. This series was actually planned way back in the fall, but it just so happens to actually fall on today in the moment we're in today in our homes, kind of stuck inside with a little bit more time on our hands to maybe learn a little bit more about prayer. In future times together, we'll be covering the how of prayer and covering uh, things like that, maybe even solutions to a better prayer life. But for today, we're gonna be talking about the difficulty of prayer, the desire to pray, and the fact that we are designed to pray. You see, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when it comes to issues and especially situations in my spiritual life, I want to jump straight to solutions. I wanna jump straight to things that fix the problem and not really looking at the source or the root of the issue. So today, that's what we're gonna to try to do together. First of all, we have the difficulty of prayer. Throughout the, I guess, uh, 40 years or so that I've been following Jesus, I've had extreme frustration when it comes to prayer. I'm not sure what that comes from besides the fact that I'm just a sinner and, and that's my human nature. Um, but I, I think maybe also my personality wants to always be doing something and, and, and maybe a little bit of ADD that's undiagnosed going on and just some things like that that don't allow me to focus like I should. And I remember coming to Christ even at a, as a young man, as four years old when I came to Christ, immediately thinking of people who I knew probably didn't know Jesus and having a burden to pray for them. And one in particular was my uncle. And uh, I, I started praying for my uncle because I knew he didn't know Jesus. And I prayed for him for years, prayed for him for years and didn't see any change and didn't hear of any change. And I found myself frustrated with God. I found myself um, feeling like, is God listening? Is God gonna answer? And maybe you feel the same way. And unfortunately, as humans, we, we are prone to see a lot of things as transactions and things that we do in order to get something. And I don't think prayer is much different. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Now, some of you out there may be thinking, well, I can think of some difficult things, you know, sharing my faith with somebody, that's pretty difficult. 
When it comes to the scope of our, our relationships and our scope of our walk with God, I'd have to agree with him that prayer is difficult at times. In Luke 11, verse one, Jesus uh, encounters the disciples and the disciples pretty much show us here that we don't know how to pray. They say, now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. We can see that even those closest to Jesus, they really didn't know how to pray. They didn't know how to go about it. But also in Romans 8, 26, we can see that it's difficult to even know what to pray for. What should we pray for? Paul talks about this a little bit in this verse in Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This time where we sit and where we stand today, many of us have been left speechless. Usually we have answers for things and usually we have a, a great advice or, or some way to push people toward optimism and encouragement, but for a lot of us, we've been speechless. And in this sense, it's actually a relaxing thing to know that in this verse, we see that the Spirit intercedes for us. That we don't know how to pray as we ought. We don't know the words to say and that's okay. The reality is that it's okay to not know what to say. But when it comes to it, it matters what's on our heart. Yes, prayer can be difficult. But since when is the easiest thing the most rewarding in life? The difficult things are what you find your greatest reward in. And so we can acknowledge that prayer is difficult. But we also know that it's very rewarding to develop a discipline in prayer. So we looked at the difficulty of prayer, but let's also look at the desire to pray. When thinking about prayer, we need to understand it's not an option. And I believe as, as Christians, as those who follow Christ, if you truly follow him, you will have a desire to communicate with God in some way. There has to be that desire. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul calls us to pray without ceasing. He also adds that we should be praying at all times in Ephesians 6.18. Obviously, it's not us closing our eyes and bumping into things and running into stuff because we're always praying uh, in that sense, but we always have this attitude of prayer, a reliance on our Father, the reality that we aren't in control and that we need to look to him in prayer constantly. Jesus, he encourages us to pray daily and also even together in Matthew chapter six. You know, so many times in my life, I don't know about you, but in, in my life, so many times I've said to myself, you know what, I'm gonna get this prayer thing down. You ever been like that where you're like, I I'm gonna get it down this time. I'm gonna make a list, I'm maybe make a list for every day of the week and I'm really gonna have this prayer thing down now. I'm gonna finally figure it out. But I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I do that, I make that commitment, it's just I do it for a little while and then I feel like I go back to this meager existence in prayer. This longing to be better at it and it's this longing to spend more time with the Father. There's a slide I think you can see on the screen of what I'd like my prayer life to be and then what it actually looks like. 
And that pretty much sums up my prayer life. I don't know about you, maybe you guys are great prayer warriors, but for me, I just feel like a fat orangutan sometimes when it comes to prayer and other things, but when it comes to prayer for this morning. So we think about our lives, and I think a lot of us desire to pray and desire to do these things, but we struggle. So why, why do we struggle to pray? In his book on prayer, Tim Keller puts, points out some uh, great wisdom when it comes to this struggle. He points out the fact that the problem is our desire. He calls it a problem with what we love. He makes the point to say that if you love A and B more than you love God, then you'll always go back to A and B. It's a simple maybe math equation. I know we got a math teacher out there here somewhere in the audience. The fact is if we love A and B, it's gonna equal this. It's not gonna equal more time with God because we love this. It's gonna equal what we actually put in the equation. And so for us in our prayer lives, whatever we prioritize and whatever we truly desire is going to come out and that's what we're gonna go back to. We've also seen prayer as maybe a boss relationship. Some of you are bosses out there, some of you are employees, but the reality is all of us have experienced something like this if you're old enough to have a job where it, sometimes it feels, the prayer life feels like you're just working to impress somebody and, and it depends on circumstances and how hard you've worked and you get that promotion and so if I pray harder, if I, I'm more disciplined, then God will bless me. Some, sometimes we look at it as Santa Claus, and we see God as this uh, big fat man in a red suit, right? And we make our list of things for God and, and we put together our list and then we try to behave ourselves and try to impress God so that he hears us, which is a wrong desire. But also maybe a timely illustration for right now would be a drive through window. We look at prayer like a drive-through window where we come up to the little microphone and we can't see anybody and it's really awkward and we start talking into this, this speaker and we say our order and even down to the you know, value size or whatever it is that you get, the, the Chick-fil-A order that's your go-to order and you say it and if you are in the Chick-fil-A line like literally 10 seconds later, there it is, right? And that's how we view prayer, where we see it as this drive-through experience and we see it as this transactional experience and again, the desire there is wrong. So the main problem is that we miss the real issue with, which affects our desire to pray. We start focusing on symptoms of the problem of our desire instead of the root. Now maybe some of you work outside and you like to work out in the, the garden or out in the yard and, and me, I, I try to do those things but I end up often killing the things that I plant. Uh, but the reality is some of you enjoy that and imagine like if I go out to my yard and I see this tree maybe that I just planted and, and the leaves are kind of brown on the end. And they're withering a little bit and I, I obviously don't have a green thumb but I can, I can acknowledge that there's a problem with this tree, right? And there's a problem with the tree and how foolish would I look if I get the watering can or the hose and I go over to this tree and I just start sprinkling water on the leaves. 
And I start spraying the branches with water. And I'm like, oh, that'll fix it. All right, this tree should be good to go now. Yet, of course, it continues to suffer, right? But oftentimes in our prayer lives and in other things when it comes to our walk with God, we look at symptoms and we address those versus the root issue, the heart issue. You see, we pray toward things that we idolize and our misplaced desires need to be addressed first. My wife, Candace, she's... uh, doing her thing, you know, reading books during this time of shelter in place because she's amazing at pumping out some books. And uh, the latest one is an awesome book I remember reading back in high school called God's Smuggler. If you've never read it before, you need to get yourself a copy, especially during this time, and, and get through it. It is amazing. It's a story of a man who went by Brother Andrew And back in the 50s and 60s, he felt God calling him to do a ministry of taking Bibles into places that were hostile toward the gospel, communist countries, places where he was literally risking his life to share God's word. And in thinking about this topic, her and I were talking, talking about this topic of prayer together. She tied it to the book and she commented on how Brother Andrew constantly put himself into situations of extreme faith where God had to come through. She went on to say that here in the U.S. we don't often do that. We don't often experience these situations or we don't often put ourselves in situations where God just has to show up or else we're in trouble. Right now, where you sit in your home or wherever you are right now, you're, you're probably in a situation like that where God has to come through. You've been forced into this situation to be able to rely on God more and look to him more, and that's really where he wants us to be in situations where we need extreme faith. And we need to truly pray and see him for who he is. So we've looked at the difficulty and the desire. Now let's look at the fact that we are designed to pray. We're designed to pray. I was really tempted to bring my dog Rocky up on this stage this morning. You can see him in the picture. He is an amazing dog. Rocky is a dog who is designed to be a companion. He was designed to be at my side. And if I brought him on this stage, he would literally just lay down right here and hang out with me. I'd probably trip over him and fall face plant on the floor in front of me. But the reality is Rocky would be a distraction because he's such a good dog. And he'd make you envious because your dog's not as good as Rocky. So maybe that's why I didn't bring him. But anyway, Rocky was designed to be loyal. He was designed to be a companion and he is amazing at doing what he was designed to do. As humans, we're designed for communication. We're designed for worship. That's what we're created to do and oftentimes that plays itself out in different ways, unfortunately, in idol worship. But the reality is that we are created for it. We're created to communicate with our Father. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. Unfortunately, because of the fall, 
There's been a break in the design of communication. Because we are all sinners, the communication path has been broken. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You have been made new to know God. You've been made new and a new creation to experience him through prayer. You know, a great idea during this series would be to go to the Lord's Prayer, and we'll be taking some time to do that throughout these six weeks, devoting an entire Sunday and a few weeks on it. But it's important to note the first thing that Jesus uh, says in response to the disciples' request to teach them to pray in Matthew 6, when they say, Lord, teach us to pray, he starts with adoration. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Before we go to all the solutions in prayer and how to fix our messed up prayer lives, maybe we first need to figure out how to just adore God. One definition of prayer puts it this way, prayer is how we view, understand, and express our relationship with God. Expressions of awe, wonder, reverence. This made me think of when Candace and I first started dating way back in the day. We started dating and uh, we were at Liberty University hanging out together and when we started dating, there were two main things I focused on. One was bragging to everybody that I actually had this girlfriend named Candace and they all responded with, no way, there's no way that you're dating her and all these things, of course, to put me, me down because I have really awesome friends. But besides bragging about her, I also, I wanted to hang out with her. I wanted to talk with her. I wanted to walk around with her. I wanted to be with her. My, my desires changed. I, I even ditched some friends, right, so that I could be with her. Maybe some of you might relate. Where you can see that your desires changed when you started dating that one. Maybe you switched, I, I switched walking routes on the campus. I thought of unique ways of keeping the relationship special. I think I may have shared this story before, but hey, you're not here right now, you're at home, so I can say it again, maybe, if you heard it, but a great illustration of this is uh, I, I was working at Liberty University on campus, we had this box truck, and we would go around delivering tables and chairs and fixing things around the campus, and we also set up for the conferences they would have, and on the stage there was all these flowers on the stage, and all these plants, potted flowers and plants, And I thought this would be a great idea that we just started dating. I I just want to really show my love. I'm going to take all these plants, load up the box truck, get my buddies to help me out. Um, Sorry for Liberty University because I think I got paid to do this. But uh, I took the truck up to her dorm and while she was in class, loaded her room with all these plants and flowers. Her entire room. I'm not talking about like 10 of them. I'm talking about like 100 of them. And I put him in her room, and she had a roommate, unfortunately, <laughs> that probably had to deal with this as well. I didn't realize my, my act of love and desire to show uh, how much I loved her, I didn't realize there were ladybugs in these flowers and these plants. And so not only did I fill her room with plants and, and flowers and, and an act of love, I also filled them with ladybugs that uh, she later had to get rid of. So it kind of backfired on me, but the reality is this, my desires changed I wanted to show her how much I loved her. And the question that kind of hit me really hard is, do I still have that love for her, but also do I have that kind of love for God? 
this adoration, this, this wanting to be with him, maybe shifting the things that I do to be with him. And thinking about having a proper foundation, I couldn't help but think about Jesus' interaction with his disciples in John 6 after feeding the multitude and walking on water. He boldly exclaimed to them in, in verse 35, I am the bread of life. In verse 63, he goes on to say, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And after hearing him say that no one can come to him unless granted by the Father, many of his disciples, they abandoned him. They ran off. So we can't do this. We're out of here. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked them a simple question. Do you want to go away as well? And Peter answers in verse 68. I love this answer. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. For many of us, the problem is that we have too many other places to go, too many idols we worship, too many distractions to pacify the time, too many addictions to mask the hurt we experience. We lack an attitude of urgency to communicate with God, and we don't see Jesus for who he is, the bread of life. During this time of shelter in place, we've been hit with some serious realities. Number one, we're not in control. Anybody out there experienced that yet? This feeling of not being in control, and some of us suffer that more than others because we long to be in control of everything. Maybe number two, our, our way of life, it can be easily disrupted. This way of life that we thought was just so uh, set out and that we're in control and that we can do the things we want to do, guess what? It's, in, it's disrupted. Another one maybe that you've realized is that community is so important. Even though you can't maybe be together physically, that being able to be on Zoom together or being able to text one another or seeing each other in a store once a week, hopefully, but seeing each other in a store and, and being able to just say hi, that community is so important. And then, of course, a steady prayer life must be a priority. During this time of fear and anxiety, maybe we can take Tim Keller's encouragement again from his book on prayer that he says, spend time adoring until you realize he is God and you are not. Just spend time praising God until you realize who is in control. Just sit there and praise his name, count your blessings and see how amazing he is. So in a society today that is a society that is all about you do you, uh, improve yourself, you're amazing, and things like that, we often get our focus on the wrong thing. But I've heard it said that prayer is the only real way to know yourself. You want to know yourself? You want to really know who you are? Take the time to adore God. Take the time to pray and talk to God and see yourself for who you really are. A sinner saved by grace. Someone who needs the Savior. And as I thought about this, God brought to mind some amazing things that prayer does. There's a list of 10 because I know some of you out there need a list of 10. I almost did nine just to mess with you guys out there, but I did 10. So let's check them out. First of all, prayer sets our hope on what matters. Prayer also fixes our eyes on the Savior. 
Prayer crushes idols. Prayer destroys pride and keeps us humble. Prayer frees us from worry. Prayer allows us to pause and gives us rest. Prayer enables perspective in a world of confusion. Prayer realigns our heart to please God. Prayer recalibrates our purpose. And prayer enlightens us to fear God. I pray that as we go through the next six weeks on prayer together, you will begin to see this happening in your own life, in the life of your family. See, for some watching today, you're seeing yourself for who you are, a sinner who needs a savior, someone who needs to turn to Christ, someone who needs to come to him, acknowledge your helplessness without him. For many of us, we need to confess and reject our idols that hinder our prayers. We have these idols that take the place and we start looking at the symptoms of our problems instead of the root. For all of us, we need to see Jesus as the bread of life. We need to see the spirit as one who speaks to God on our behalf. And we need to comprehend that our souls would literally starve without constant communion and dependence on the Father. Do you see yourself that way? Do you see it like eating and drinking, that you could actually starve, that your spiritual life just starves without being with the Father. Maybe lastly, you can follow the encouragement from Hebrews. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What a powerful verse to realize that we are able to come to the Father boldly. Sinners saved by grace, people who do not deserve in any way to be engaged by the creator of the universe, but instead through his son Jesus broke the curtain, broke the dividing wall so that now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. What a powerful, powerful verse. Today, let's think about that. Maybe later you can talk to your family, talk to your kids about what you've heard today about prayer. Talk about your idols, be honest with one another and talk about the difficulty maybe of prayer and ask God to give you this deep desire to know him. Let's pray. Dear God, we are so thankful for your love. We're thankful for who you are. We're thankful for your son, Jesus, who paid the price for our sin. He gives us the opportunity to speak to the Father. Jesus, we're thankful for you that when the Father looks on us, that he sees you, a perfect son of God. We're thankful, God, that you are one who continues to show us who we are and who you made us to be. God, we... Uh, come before you humbled that we get to be with you in prayer. Continue to teach us what it means to be people of prayer throughout the next six weeks. Bless those who are struggling with more dependence on you and give us your wisdom to go throughout this week. In your name we pray, amen.